Welcome to the Black Then, Black Now podcast. We're giving you an insight into the conversations between generations, the ones you may have at a dinner table or on your living room sofa. From discussing changing dating culture to the persistence of racism in football, we're concerned about looking at change and continuity. What was it like then? How is it now? On today's episode, I have a conversation with my mum about what it was like growing up in the 70s. In my mind, Boogie Wonderland. Okay, I'm not a singer, but we also talk about how COVID-19, a big global pandemic, how that would have impacted her life trajectory had it happened. It was the first episode I recorded, so I do, yeah, forgive me for that, but yeah, it's a good one. So today is a very gloomy day in London. It's pissing down with rain but I'm joined with <laughs> I'm joined today with my ray of sunshine my my lovely mother um her name is Anne say hello to the people mum hello everybody and Tony's mother and formerly name known as Anne <laughs> yes oh your real name is Martha but you people don't know that <laughs> yeah so today we're going to be talking about like what it's like growing up how it's, you know, was different to when my mum was growing up, how I, it's different for me. And we can compare some experiences. So, mother. Yes, my daughter, Aunt, lovely Antonia. What was it like growing up? Paint the picture. I want, I want excruciating detail. Oh dear, that's not good, is it really? Well, my parents are from Barbados, came over in the 50s. So my father was very strict. So to be truthful, we had a very strict upbringing. But because my father worked quite long hours and he worked at night times, my brothers were quite naughty and they would sneak out and go out in the daytime and sometimes at night time. I was quite a goody girl and I would stay indoors really. So it was a bit of a, we're 70 children, so it was a bit of a tough time if obviously with parents that my father that was very strict. So um, we didn't go out much, to be truthful, but we were very lucky that my father worked with the Barbadian embassy. So in the summertime, they would have cricket tours and go out to the villages in around the UK. With that, we'd go out on a Sunday, the whole day out on Sunday. They would play cricket, we'd watch it, we'd run around, play games and everything, and then have a lovely meal and lunchtime. So it was a nice way to see Britain, really, to be truthful, you know, and meet other, meet other families and just play around. Really. So it was quite a nice time. So when you were going to these villages, how were you mm. kind of received? They were quite nice because also they're playing cricket. When it's cricket, people like playing sport. It brings people together, isn't it, really? So we didn't sort of see... It was For us, it was like an opener to see, like, villages outside London because we sit to see lots of buildings, but in there it was, like, villages. And it was a time just to run around and play with other kids, really, to be cheerful. So I feel like anything... I don't... My memory's not as sharp as it was, as really, as, in that sense you know, vividly what was what was what I was experiencing. I just remember like running around and having lovely lunches and, and meeting up in the evening time in the in the village hall and they would provide a nice spread for us sort of thing. So it was nice. And what was the best village that you went to? Like they I don't know. I, I was very young. I was talking about I was roughly around about five, five, six till about possibly about nine. So we're talking about many fifty years ago. 
it's crazy because I've never I've never heard you say this I, I know like obviously yeah yeah your brothers or my uncles were rebellious I know that and you were like not that way inclined um but I didn't hear about the, these kind of these cricket tours which is really interesting to hear um but like going back a bit so you said how that you were a bit more like um you, you didn't weren't as rebellious as your brothers do you think why do you think that was? Do you think it was because you were a girl and there were more there was more pressure put, put on you to be, you know, at home and not go out? I think it, it's a bit of both because I was the youngest, even though it wasn't a great big difference between my my brothers as such, really. But my mother left when I was very young. So um obviously I didn't have my mother around when I was sort of like, you know, from six years onwards. And then my father was just very strict about keeping us in in um in sort of in hand really, and obviously because being a bit younger, I was a bit fearful of him to be truthful. So I stuck to the rules and everything. So, so um, I think I can say I was just probably a bit more fearful of my father, so I didn't do things and rebel like my brothers did. And how do you think like your experience growing up has led into how or affected how you've raised me as your daughter? Oh my god, big time because. My parents of that age where they didn't show affection. So I've tried to make sure that, you know, I hug my daughter and you and lots of love and everything. And we talk because my parents didn't talk about, a lot, you know, anything to be truthful, really. You know, that was to make me grow as a person. So it's I wanted to make sure that me and yourself, we talk a lot and we discuss things. And if we argue and, you know, we try and resolve it and we try and always make sure that we don't, end the next end the day on a bad note mm. sort of thing so the thing is the biggest difference with me and you is the communi- communication mm. we communicate and we just get it out really whatever we're feeling yeah I would say we don't really argue and if we do it's over silly things like um if we put washing up norm, washing norm, up yeah, <laughs> there's that but also like the the iconic omelette argument about normal onions or spring onions <laughs> That was a big part, but you see, that's really—it's really silly. Like, it's and then we go over it really quickly. Um, and you don't like my um our evening discussions when I ask you weird questions, but I like. Well, that. you do at midnight say these quite, you know, between this—is it this or that? And it's like, huh? So it's a little bit like you know, the whole day at midnight she comes alive. She's alive. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that it's. I just like because to me, I just want to anyone I'm talking to I want to get to know them really well like and obviously you're you're my mum so I want to get I want to know you the most I want to know like all your opinions like I want to see inside your brain you know well you um, might find a bit empty there but yes no no no, <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's very flattering obviously like at the end of the day obviously I'm all of you because obviously you're your bright little thing sort of thing so I'm always feeling like you know I produce this lovely daughter and she's so bright and everything and I'm so you know, proud of what she's done and everything. Oh, that proud chestnut grows. Oh my, montage! I should know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmares. Um, the thing is, you always you always put yourself down, and that's why I always tell you with like um work and like you underestimate yourself so massively. Like, mum, let's just tell the people you are a trained ballroom dance teacher, right? So, and the thing is, that takes <laughs> like so much. Like, can we just talk about how you would go to work, then you would you know cook me dinner and then you would go out to do ballroom dance teaching not get paid much but you did it for the fun of it come on tell the people all these like things you were juggling and doing at once and raising me your daughter single-handedly oh it was easy <laughs> but like when you love something I you know I was very fortunate that you know I started ballroom dancing late 
last um when I'm my twenties before you were born. And I went to night school, just always wanted to do it, saw it on TV for all, oh, you know, also to learn to dance and everything. And I just put myself out. Then I thought, went to night school, which is which not unheard of now in that sense, really, to learn ballroom dancing and just actually loved it. And I was very fortunate that the teacher that taught me was a world champion in exhibition dancing. And then from that, it just snowballed. We went to, I went to his, you know, his little um, private lessons when he had up, you know, up beyond the night school. And then from there, you would, I met another lady that we went dancing together and she would find a place and we'd go travelling around London for lessons. And it just snowballed. And I was very fortunate again. I went to Morley College and met my personal teacher. Um, again, just went to his, again, in the evening times, um, to his lessons. And we got on really well. Then we went social dancing. And then from there, he started to talk, to teach me, to, you know, for medals and everything. And he just snowballed, snowballed, snowballed. And I was very fortunate you weren't around. So I was able to go dancing three or four times a week for lessons, social dancing, to practice. Then I did medals. As I say, it was just a hobby that where I sort of fell into teaching because my teacher became ill when he asked me to sort of help out. And then they asked, the college asked me to teach afterwards. So it was a bit of a daunting thing really but luckily with the support of my college and my teacher I got through my my, my you know my um, teaching um, qualifications to teach ballroom so it's a strange thing after like 25 years as a hobby and then became a teacher and it's just nice to show that black people can do ballroom dancing mm-hmm. now there's OT on TV and more so mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's nice and then obviously I dragged you into it as well didn't I with the children lessons you did but, like, <laughs> so in a nice way I was like obviously when I was like younger I was like I didn't really appreciate it but like now I'm like I'm so proud of that time and like I can, I can whenever I do like um meeting new people and we do like two truths one lie I always bring up oh I did war and dancing and see what they like if they and they've do. got medals and everything haven't you qualifications and exams so don't <laughs> yes but um, you've got, you got to start or something isn't it quite a high level but you you said that you fell into it but I, I don't know I feel like you must have been because it wasn't just you who was a student right they chose you to like push on and like continue like to develop really and truly so why do you think it, they just kind of just singled you like why do they choose you um I would things I was really lucky because the teacher that I had because he was teaching I came to help out because his wife because he was in his 70s then when he was teaching so his wife would help out and then she became like oh I don't want to do it my knees were helping and I would help out so I was just assisting wasn't getting paid just helping out because I enjoyed enjoyed dancing and I enjoyed you know helping him out and it was fun for me because I was learning as well and as I said as, as as unfortunately he became ill and everything and then the college because they saw me quite a lot they said what any day we need someone to teach are you willing to teach it and I was like oh I'm not too sure and and I thought you know what in a day I've got nothing to lose and I did start to sort of teach and I've learned I learned how to you know to teach because it's something that it just takes a while to get into the swing of things really to make sure what you're saying is clear and that people can understand sort of thing, really. And then from that, obviously, I did my teaching exam for dancing as well as for teaching in higher education. Mm. I, um, when, how old were you when you started um, ballroom dancing again? I was in my late 20s. Late 20s. 20, maybe like 20, 29, 30, 31, so way before you were born. And do you think, like, because obviously these two parties have been crazy with, like, COVID, obviously... I hate to mention it because it feels like it's just it, it, you never hear the end of it but I think with my generation and like people in their 20s right now it's like a really awful time to be in your 20s because you can't do the, the things that 
you should be doing in your 20s so how do you think if you were at the stage of your life where you were just about going into ballroom dancing and then boom global pandemic you're stuck in house like how do you think that would have changed the trajectory of your kind of life in a way but don't forget you're very lucky because you have social media you have like you know youtube you have the internet in my day we didn't you know i remember having to go down voxel to use the internet so that's how things change and dial up so in the day in my day i would have to have books that's why i've got quite a lot of books in my house about ballroom dancing there was nothing for me to learn but by visually so in the mm-hmm. day if covid happened in those days i'll be using books because obviously there was nothing unless someone videotaped, we had the odd chance where someone would videotape dancing, but most of it was written down. And it's mm-hmm. difficult to some to look at steps and know left foot forward, turn 90 degrees here and that on a piece of paper. But if you see it visually, you can understand it. So it would have been an easier time if I had all the social media to help yeah. you get through it really. But if mm-hmm. it was in my time where there wasn't that kind of thing, it would be difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I think, but also it's like the social element, isn't it? Because dancing, a big part of it is that social element, meeting people, all the friends you've met through it. Um, and also like your your people skills, because being a teacher, a big part of it is how to manage people. And I think, I don't know how that would have been developed if it you were learning maybe to stay through the, I don't know, because you learn that for experience. Um, so for example, like to give people some insight, I went to a club the first time this week and like it was my... I'm 19 years old so it was quite a late time for me to first like go to the club but um I really did not like it I thought I'd be a club person but I think it is because it's taken so long and I just I don't know how to manage people in that in that type of environment but um hopefully I'll get there but I'd like to think also it's important it's it's helpful if the music is good I think like anything if you've got great music you know, I've got great music and I've done my own. I don't feel like a mad person. But when the music is not very good, it's hard to get into it. So I think that if the music is good, it's a big, it makes things more easier to, to meet people and chat. But when the music is, is not great, it's hard to get into it. So I think for you, the music was that great. So that makes it even more of a daunting thing, really. But it's not going to think it takes, takes time. You know, I say I went to clubbing quite late because I say I left... I'm home in my 20s. I didn't go clubbing. And when I went clubbing, I went to a gay club. And they just bought, because I was so shy, and mm. they bought me a bit more confident because they're just so welcome of whoever you are. They're like, oh, come in it. And they look after me. So it was quite eye-opening to go from not going out at all to going to a gay club where it's mm. just, you know, so, like, bright and, like, people are out there and they really are gay, isn't, like, you know, very friendly from a very quiet person sort of thing. It was it's a great, it was a great laugh for me to give it be give me confidence I should say because we were talking about this yesterday how I'm planning to go to a gay club as well um, called heaven mm-hmm. and you said that you've been there so yeah tell me a bit more about that experience well, anyway, and so, 30 years ago it was I just remember it was just I think I came home about four or five in the morning time it was just such a laugh I just remember laughing so much and dancing and just having a whale of a time I don't know why I didn't go more regularly really because it was such a a, a nice vibe and people just I just remember laughing a lot and just dancing and just at such a fun time you know and I wasn't didn't have to be you know drunk to have a good time it's just laughter really it was really really a fun time I sort of remember the, the, when I think about it, it make you smile so I know it was a very good time yeah I think for, for me it's like just I don't know it's I'll get there maybe the gay club is the one for me and yeah, the <laughs> well, you enjoy heaven. As I say, you will enjoy heaven. I say I've got good memories of it. So fingers crossed, you'll have a good time as well. 
And speaking of like, you've spoken about kind of your dancing and now onto clubs. And what would you say kind of was the soundtrack of your youth? Oh my Lord. You are not even gonna ask me about that. I can't, I think in my day, I used to like, um, well, not, not still like it now, Lovers Rock. So I do like old, old time reggae. So I love John Holt. Um, I love those kind of things really. So I do like those kind of reggae where it's not so heavy dub, but just nice sweet songs and everything. So probably I, I do like John Holt. I can't sort of say one particular track really sort of thing, but um, Lovers, Lovers Rock was my um, thing in and my day. Also kind of, I'd be interested to know kind of what you wore when you were younger, because um, I recently worked with the Museum of Youth Culture and a big part of that we were looking at is like the music side of it and how you represent your identity, but also like how your, your clothing. And I think that's something that's missing like now where there's no real sense of style that like defines kind of youth culture. So what did you wear when you were younger? Always smart. It was, it was we never wore jeans or boys wore trainers. We were, girls were, they say, old fashioned skirt and blouse. So a nice dress with heels. I wasn't into makeup because I wasn't talking about makeup, so I didn't wear makeup, maybe the odd lipstick. My hair was done and Matthew, we'd, we'd, take, we'd take about a good couple of hours to get ourselves ready with a nice hair, what to wear, but it was always like a dress or a nice blouse or skirt and heels, we, you know, or maybe something nice with a nice um, pair of trousers, but never jeans, never, you know, like um, shorts or the life of stuff right now, then or now. It was always very, very smart. And then you had to smell nice and everything. And the men wore nice trousers. They were never wearing jeans, you know, nice shirts, you know, sort of thing. So it was, they were, they were very smart. Also, I was, I wish I was born in your era because it's, it just seems so much better. Like, especially like, yeah, because you were born at a great time, like 1964. And then you can kind of live through the 70s and actually see it like. Well, I just remember the 70s being a hot thing. The 70s, like, I remember it's been a very hot summer and everything. So, but obviously, I was very, uh, I didn't go out when I was um, a teenager. So, my teenager years were kept in, kept so I'm in prison, really, where I was in my house. So, I didn't go out much at all. As I say, I was, I say I was a very homely girl, really, sort of thing. And to be truthful, because my father was quite dominating. So, I just, I was fearful. So, I didn't go out. So, I only sort of went um, to school and back home again and had to cook for my dad in the end, sort of thing. So, he was working quite a lot so I put a lot of pressure they put, put a lot of pressure on me to be ho- at home a lot really and I was fearful of him once I started working and I left home in my 20s to work in a hospital again I was still a bit shy so it took me a while to start going clubbing really and that was through some good friends that I met and everything so and in fact my mother's the one that um took <laughs> got me bombed into clubbing more because once I started with her, she and had a, and a friend used to have dances, mm-hmm. which means they would hire a hall. Mother would work on the bar and then we'd get a DJ for the music. And she's the one would go out most weekends. And I was like, we going, always she was going out most weekends to help out her friend, Eliza, with the bar and this dance sort of thing. And that's how I got into going to dances because she was, I would go and go there and see what it's like and everything. And I began to get more relaxed about it. And enjoyed it really sort of thing so that's how she got me more to clubbing than my friends did initially really to be truthful because she was going out most weekends with the dances really and helping out crazy and it's interesting how kind of how you describe your relationship with your mum i.e my nan and do you think there was kind of like with the absence of like your mum my nan at home do you think you, you, um, your dad kind of made you like the wife in a way 
like you had to him you said I know that sounds really like um Oedipus complex like Freud is in the building but like because yeah what do you think? That was that was my father, really. He didn't think any way anything about, you know, a young, you know, girl having to sort of like go shopping and, you know, because he was working a lot, you know, as I say, I won't put that pressure on you or anybody, you know, I mean a day it wasn't my fault that I was born and it was unfair, it was unfair for him to put that pressure on me. But in a day you I didn't have a voice. I couldn't say, Oh no, I'm not doing it because you know, he, he was quite, he was quite unphysical with us, beat us. So, you know, when that's the case, you sort of do it really. You know, I had to leave to escape that kind of um, stress, really, you know, mm. mental stress and physical stress, really. So um, it's the kind of thing that I try not to dwell on it because in the day, you know, my parents are old, you know, my father passed away and it's no point sort of like saying, oh, you know, you made my life hell because in the yeah. day he wasn't, he had a tough time and mm-hmm. from Barbados and he wasn't taught how to be a proper father. And even though you think in a day, you have to learn. Mm-hmm. It was just the way it was, really. So I, you know, try not to in it. I try not to sort yeah. of like hate him for it. Because in the day, I just sort of have to move on because it affects me, yeah. makes me, you know, not really great. So I have to sort of say, okay, that was a part of my period in my life yeah. that wasn't great. I've had good memories, but it wasn't great. But in the day, hey ho, I've got a better life now and a daughter, and I can learn from that. Mm-hmm. And all my like therapists have said it is amazing that your mum has been such an amazing mother to you when she could have been like just implemented the same kind of how her parents raised her and she didn't she didn't do that so they're amazed they 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 big fans from my therapist but yeah um so I think to wrap up um Mm -hmm. I would like to ask you what advice would you give your 19 year old self oh oh my dear okay be more confident in myself believe in myself and speak up because I was a very quiet child. So I say if, if I could be as I am now, 19. So main thing I say again, confidence, believe in myself and speak up. Mm. And what do you think she would say back to you now? She would say, okay. <laughs> no, she will say, oh, thank you very much. And um, I will do that now because there's things that I could have done. I could have. I could have had probably more opportunities and believe myself because obviously I did I didn't believe myself and and there was probably more opportunities that probably got to come to university excuse me mm. university because it probably a bit more easier but mm. I did have belief in myself really about things like that so I should have taken the opportunities even though I was very lucky that I was given great opportunities there could have been more that I could have done if yeah. I believed in myself so that's why I try and say to you try and take most things in do things yeah. opportunities and even though it might be difficult here and there we can work around it and I will support you if that means you're not watching up or doing something like that I will do that for you because in a day <laughs> I want you to be able to do everything as such because in a day I never had a chance I never mm-hmm. had a chance to do a lot of things and I say I've got no regrets because I say in a day I've done well for what I have achieved no you really have and like I think even you going and and like be starting off as a student ballroom dance student and then becoming a teacher that just shows you you have been taking opportunities that come up to you and I mean university the door is always open it's not free anymore but <laughs> you can always do it um and yeah you know I'd support you 100% and just one final question so that so that your 19 year old self do you think she'd be proud of you yeah what would you what do you think she would say about you I can say look at you girl look at you oh my god you got a lovely daughter who's going to Cambridge Woo-hoo. that's been in the family <laughs> 
So she'd be like saying, oh my God, what you've achieved, you know what I mean? A teacher, you've done this, you've got your qualifications, you know, and um, you've got a nice, you've got a beautiful daughter and you're doing all right, you know what I mean? I'm saying, I think, you know, as I say, I'm quite, I'm, I'm happy, I don't say quite happy, I'm happy, you know, I've made good days and bad days, but as yeah. I say, those good days are more than the bad days. Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Mum. Love you so much. Um, and I'll, Love I'll you, Mum. Well. It's, it's been enjoyable, a bit daunting, but it's been yeah. very much enjoyable speaking to you, even though you're upstairs. It's been daunting for me too. It's my first interview. So, yeah, I think I, I wouldn't want it to be with anyone first else. First of many. Exactly. All right. Love you lots. Thanks for listening. The Black Then Black Now podcast would not be possible without the support of Do It Now Now who have created the Voltage Revolution to give young Black London creatives opportunities and tools to give them a foot in the door. Make sure you keep updated on Black Then Black Now by following our socials at WeVoltage on Twitter and Instagram, where we'll be posting information about the team that has put this all together and exclusive behind the scenes footage.